Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar, back for some great content today. Even though it was a Chiefs loss, boy, do we have a lot to get into, Reese. But before we get into the bad stuff, let's talk about the good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I had the opportunity to hang out with my best bud Reese this weekend and it was a blast Reese why don't you give him some highlights of your trip here in Colorado Springs when Fountain City Sports Media took over Broncos country no man we rode all through Broncos country up down and all around Uh, I think some highlights include honestly getting to see the Colorado Springs airport which as square as that sounds I enjoy seeing different airports I don't know what it is Maybe it's just like a millennial thing. Your grandparents collect little sugar spoons and thimbles. I like going to different airports. Reese collects airports. Yeah, I collect airports. That's what I do. Uh, So that was a highlight. Uh, Just seeing the mountains again. Also another highlight. Uh, Armando and I trekked all the way up Pikes Peak, albeit in a car. Oh, but, man, you you should have lied to them and said that we did that competition where someone rolls an egg with their head all the way up a mountain, which is true, ladies and gentlemen. Look it up. That's actually like people do that. Why? I, I don't know. Where'd that originate from? Just like getting really shwasty and just thinking what's the dumbest thing guys, guys get bored, man. That uh, Fair enough. <laughs> guys do get bored. Uh, we did pass. So this is the weirdest thing. So on the way up Pikes Peak. We drove by this like red Chevy, uh, it was like a trailblazer, and it had a roof rack, and the roof rack had a bunch of fake skeletons on it, with like a fake skeleton sitting in the passenger side of the car. Then when we got back into Colorado Springs, which is a good like 15, 20 minutes down the road, we stop at Chick-fil-A for lunch, and there's that same Chevy Trailblazer in the Chick-fil-A parking lot with those spooky skeletons just sitting out everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, what are the odds? The Reese, s- Reese has been looking behind his shoulder since. Dude, I'm He's spooked. Like, is, that, is that guy still here? He, he actually went to Chicken and Pickle today, played Don't. some uh, beanbag toss and kept looking behind his shoulder. Yeah, exactly, man. You never know where he's going to strike next. It's like... It's like the ring, but way more tangible and made of polyurethane. Uh, Otherwise, Armando and I also did get to spend a wonderful day smoking them meats on the smoker. Uh, Oh, yeah. Made some ribs. They were pretty serious. Armando with a a clutch rib rub, which I'm not going to tell you the secret recipe or what the secret ingredient of the secret recipe is. But if you don't know on Patreon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Then I'll tell you the secret recipe. Yeah, we'll give we'll give some secret recipes on Patreon. I mean, if you subscribe, more about that later. But uh, those were probably some of my big highlights. What about you, Armand? What were some of the big highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy because we we had kind of planned it before uh, Reese and his wife Noel got out here, and I was like, "Oh, it's going to be great." On Wednesday, we're going to go hiking, and Thursday, we're going to Denver. Well, little did I know that like. It hasn't rained in, I don't know, a month since I've been back from New York. And of course, we get like the the foggiest, cloudiest day ever on uh, the Wednesday or the Thursday, that, um, bef- the day after they got into Colorado Springs. So like totally ruined my plans and I was so bummed. And I was like, all right, well, I guess we have to go Friday. But it was 
but it was perfect, ladies and gentlemen, because like literally not a cloud in the sky. And I know that I'm getting old because I kept looking at the sky and I was like, this could have been a better day to go hiking. Oh, like it, was, it was it was truly beautiful. We had a great time. We also went up to the Seven Falls, which is I'm pretty sure the Broadmoor owns this property. And my wife and I have been living here for like two years and we've never done the, the Seven Falls trip. Um because it's just a waterfall but so when 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 we got there it was like it was like this like made up disneyland place because when you drive in it's you're in a city and then all of a sudden you're in the woods and it looks like you're in disneyland going to the avatar ride it's just super beautiful looks very jurassic parky um and then there's these stairs that that go up to the top of the falls which actually don't look that bad but then once you get halfway up you're like what did I just do? What did I just sign up for? Like they are so steep and there's like a big drop off if anything bad happens. Um, So that was scary, but we made all the way up to the top and that was a lot of fun. Beautiful, beautiful views out here in Colorado Springs. It's so funny because like I really don't have a fear of heights. In fact, I like looking out the plane and stuff when it's going up and taking off partially because, you know, I like to collect airports. I like to see the airports out the window. But uh, no, Armando's was totally right. These were steep stairs and going up. It was no joke. Going up wasn't that bad because when you go up, you can just like keep plugging away. Look at the stair in front of you. Just plug, 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 plug. But coming down, I mean, these things had to have been at an angle bordering on 70 or 75 degrees. It was a glorified ladder, ladies and gentlemen, a ladder with a slight incline. And it was so narrow that it was traffic up the right and coming back down the left. So if someone was yeah. back down, or going up on your way down, you had to like white knuckle it and hang onto a rail and let yeah. it buy you. And yeah, for me, you, you had to essentially hug the rail when someone else came. And it's not because the person was big or anything. It's just because those stairs were that tiny. Oh, absolutely. And it kind of blows my mind. There was no safety netting underneath those or something like that. Because, I mean, the rail itself wasn't that high. And for I think for someone like me, it wasn't much higher probably than like right about waist level. So if my trick knee goes off and I lock up and I like <laughs> fall a stair, it's like I'm falling off. <laughs> off man yeah yeah our r.i.p reese but luckily that did not happen which is wonderful we had an excellent time ladies and gentlemen um you know if if reese does come back and travels and his knee does buckle up he's gonna need money for that hospital bill so what are some ways that our audience can help us with your future hospital bills just kidding knock on wood but how can someone donate to our podcast (laughs) for just the price of one cup of hospital cash Cafe Coffee at $2 a month. You can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. You will also find our current 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise known as Speedy and Angry. Episode 6 will be dropping this week, so keep your eyes out, fellow patrons, for that fantastic installment that's right patreon.com backslash fcsm it's great that you have talked about speedy and angry reese because who do you do speedy and angry with who is your co-host that would be the rad russian alex nikolenko and the rad russian who is he a fan of perhaps the indianapolis colts Aha, okay, now we get into the game, but actually before we get into the the meat and the bones of the game, for those of you that follow this po- podcast regularly, 
you know that I laughed off this game last week at the very end of the podcast. In fact, when I was going through my notes, I was like, oh, I guess I have nothing to talk about. OK, why don't we end it with Chiefs and Colts preview? And I proceeded to laugh for about 30 seconds at the end of the podcast. And I went, ha ha ha, guaranteed Chiefs win. After what had happened on Sunday, I get multiple texts from our infamous text chain, the Fountain Fantasy text chain, saying, Armando, next time on the podcast, you're going to have to give an apology to Alex, to the Rad Russian, to the Indianapolis Colts, to everybody for laughing off this game. For all, for those of you that know, we have something on this podcast called the PBR Apology. That's if we get a take wrong. We have to then apologize for that take. Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, the first time in Fountain City Sports City history, I refuse to give a PBR apology today to the Indianapolis Colts and to the rad Russian Alex Nikolinko. And this is why, Reese, we had that game in the bag. The Colts did did. not deserve the win. There was one pivotal moment. Like, yes, Reese and I are going to break down the game. Uh, Yes, the Chiefs are not perfect. We have a lot to improve on. But there was one pivotal moment. And that was when Chris Jones pancakes Matt Ryan. Looks pretty good to me. It's a third and seven. They're about to punt it. There's no way that Matt Ryan's going to go for it on the fourth. Everything looks cool. He gets up. They start yapping a little bit. There is no physical altercation. Chris Jones does not headbutt him. He doesn't touch him. He literally says something. We don't know what he said, but he says something. In fact, Matt Ryan walks away, and so does Chris Jones. Both of them walk away. In fact... One of the other referees, if you go back to that review, one of the referees actually pulls Chris Jones away and Chris Jones proceeds to leave. He doesn't shrug away from the ref. The ref holds him and says, all right, Chris, that's enough. And Chris goes, "Okay." He does not yap after that physical contact from one of the refs. When he proceeds to walk away, that is when another ref pulls the flag. So those are two indications of absurdity, absurdity that the refs did on that unsportsmanlike conduct they gave him a warning he proceeded to say okay i get the warning and walked away yet another ref did not see that that ref had did that calls the unsportsmanlike conduct and the rest is history a 15 yard penalty which then leads into this matt ryan um uh benjamin button 2018 mvp matt ryan although we were so shell-shocked at that point I don't think we could have won the game after that because we could not believe that that happened. I already told the text chains, but I'm going to ask everyone here, comment on Instagram, comment on Twitter, comment somewhere. Tell me when a ref has ever called an unsportsmanlike conduct flag that is going to decide the game in the fourth quarter when there is no contact. Yes, when there's contact, when when they shove a player, when something like that happens and it really gets the best of someone, fine, throw the flag. But when Chris Jones leaves the scene after a ref tells him to cool down, then the flag gets pulled. I'm sorry. I'm not going to cuss on this podcast because we're family friendly, but that was malarkey, Reese. And you know I want to say another word, but that was total malarkey. That decided the game. The Chiefs were clearly the better team. Matt Ryan had one good drive, and that was it. No one deserves an apology from me. I am fired up. Okay, so speaking of the PBR apology, I've been giving this some thought. 
another one of my highlights while I was in Colorado Springs actually was finally getting indoctrined into the legendary Montucky Cold Snack, which, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not tried this beer, uh, everything that could be said in an American domestic light lager has been said in the Montucky Cold Snack. And speaking of which, we're not going to stop until this is the official podcast of the Montucky Cold Snack. <laughs> and that is why I would like to propose that if you won't give him a PBR apology... Would you be willing to rename it and give him a cold snack take back? Uh, if I if, wait, if it's a take back, that means I take back my laughing or I take back what I did on the previous podcast. Yes. Like uh, I take back what I said. I was wrong. That sounds like an apology. <laughs> I mean, it technically is. We're just <laughs> okay. reframing it in a different light. I will I will not concede that this is an apology. I will take back laughing for 30 seconds and saying that the Chiefs were going to guarantee a win, but this is not an apology. But yes, today, the Fountain City Sports Media hereby decrees that this is now called the, what is it called? The Cold Snack Take Back. The Cold Snack Take Back. Armando does the first one. I take back, fine. I, I take back that I laughed so much and thought this was going to be roses and, and flowers because it wasn't. There's a lot of stuff that Reese is about to talk about, I'm sure, um, that the Chiefs really need to improve on. But I'm going to say the Colts did not deserve that win. The ref, I'm not going to say he rigged it, right? I'm not going to be one of those fans that said the ref rigged the game. But you tell me, you tell me, go back and tell me when a ref has ever decided a game from a non-contact unsportsmanlike conduct and reese didn't you hear rumors about what chris jones did say yeah there was uh you know the amateur youtube and reddit lip readers thought they saw chris jones say it's over we got you now it's over uh and kind of to armando's point to give you some context here it really it went from being fourth and 17 and game to being a, f- a fresh set of first downs for the Indianapolis Colts like right in that sweet spot where it's like great now you have only like half a field to go with just enough time that if you score a touchdown there's gonna be like 25 seconds left which is I think exactly what the league was going for which is why the earpiece in his ear said to throw that flag to be honest uh, rigged I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest here. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. Sports betting is becoming more and more prominent across the country. It's even now in a state like Kansas as of this last month. I mean, you can't tell me that the NFL isn't having some influence. Why else would they need people in New York to be in the earpieces of some of these people? You know, That's a it's, good point. You know, it was it was a very poor call because never should it be the referee's job to to flip the script of a game to be like i mean i, th- I think the chiefs had something like a 94% win percentage which dropped down to something like 51 with that one call and it's like wow. it's not an official's job to literally flip the game on its head like that officials should be seen and never heard well and i I, I bet that that ref didn't know that that was going to be a game-changing play because Matt Ryan didn't give you any inkling that he would go and score the game-winning drive during that time. So I bet the ref was like, eh, it's over, whatever, and then he did it. But, I mean, it's football. This is a game of margins, as they say, or even as Steve Kerr in the NBA says. He's like, hey, it doesn't matter who you play every week. Like, literally, a game is won just on who has the most mistakes and who doesn't. Well, I mean, it also was one of those calls, too, kind of like Steve Bartman back with the Cubs in 03, where 
yeah, the Cubs still had a lead and just had to find a way to close out that lead in that game and they go to the World Series. But it's such like a momentum shattering psychological play that I mean, momentum is a very real thing in sports. And like I said, it went from being uh, 94 to like a 51% switch in win percentage. And it's like, that's huge. And, you know, players feel that. Players know that. So, you know, I, I, I do want to talk more about some ref ball. Uh, there was one other play I really didn't like, which happened uh, kind of midway through the third quarter, which really could have blown the game open. It was third down. We were in the red zone. Mahomes throws a fade route to Travis Kelsey in the corner. Uh, Kelsey is being face blocked by, I cannot remember who the defender was. It, it doesn't matter who he is. Uh, but Jim Nance even talked about it after the play. He's like, did he not turn around to play the ball? And Tony's like, ha, no, he didn't. And he's like, well, it looks like he was grabbing it. Doesn't he have to make a play on the ball? And of course, yep. Tony Rowe being caught in, you know, a lie, like starts just making Johnny Bravo sounds. He goes, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> so instead of, instead of getting a fresh set of downs inside the five yard line, we have to kick a field goal with Amendola, which was far from a guaranteed thing at that point. So instead of getting, you know, another shot at making it 21-10, which would have put us on a 21 to 3 run at that point, you know, it was only 17-10 and it, again, that entirely changed the the view of the game going forward because when we got that lead finally in the game, I'm just like we're not giving this up. Like it might not be pretty, but we're not going to give this lead up. But when we were unable to shut the door on him in that instance right there thanks to that no call on the penalty, you know, again, suddenly the Colts get to hang around for one more drive. They got to keep hanging around for one more drive. And before you know it, there's a call that flips the game on its head, and that's all they need to jump ahead. So, again, I've complained a lot about the refs tonight. The Chiefs did not play well enough to avoid ref ball getting in the way, which, you know, you have to. You can't let ref ball get in the way. So, you know, the Chiefs obviously did not deserve this one either. But I do agree with Armando. The frustrating thing is, like, the Colts also did not deserve to win this one at all. Yeah, so. absolutely embarrassing. Let's let let's put a cap on the special teams, and then you can go into some other things that you saw. Because I know Reese has some other things he wants to say about this team and how we can improve. Um, I'm going to read this tweet because it's a really good tweet. Sky Moore muffed the punt which resulted in seven points. Mm-hmm. Then we had the missed field goal by Amendola, which was, I don't even remember. It was a 20 yard. It wasn't even, it was maybe 20, 30 yard field goal. It, it was like uh, an extra point distance. It was somewhere in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Something very simple. And and we can count the extra point too. So that, so sorry, we got the sky more miffed, miffed punt results in a touchdown, seven points, missed field goal, three points, missed, missed extra point, one point, the fake field goal, which could have been a kick three points then we have the chris jones penalty which results in a touchdown seven points that is 14 15 18 that's 21 points from one play each right that's five plays that resulted in a 21 point swing absolutely unacceptable and of course uh, matt amandola is gone from the team we have now picked up matt wright um off waivers so now he is the uh backup kicker uh, butker is planned to play next week i think against the bucks but now we have a new guy matt wright just in case that is now on the practice squad but a 21 point swing 
uh, and how many is that from special teams? I can't do math right now because I'm an opera singer. Uh, that equals 14 points. That's 14 points from special teams, Reese. So something that needs to be replaced. I'm actually missing McCole Hardman now on on those on those punts because Skymore, even after the the miffed punt, then we uh, people don't remember we also had after that he doesn't miff the punt, but he also is too scared to catch the punt and lets it go all the way to the two yard line where yep. then Patrick Mahomes has to has to try to go from there. So Sky Moore, I'm very disappointed with. I mean, Sky Moore's a great route runner, runner. We didn't see much from him in the passing game, but man, those are easy mistakes. And even Isaiah Pacheco, even Pacheco on some of those kickoffs, he, you know, he's running into the ground, just like I think it was Tony Robo that was saying it, that Pat says, you know, he, he makes the earth shake when he runs cool. But like, you still have to run, dude. You can't slip when you're, when you're pressing down against the ground. So I was very disappointed today, Reese sky Moore, Isaiah Pacheco, unacceptable. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to absolve a little bit here in the fact that I know special teams are important, but a lot of those points came off the fact of, you know, like you said, a missed field goal, missed PAT from our kicker, having to go for a fake punt, which wouldn't have been the case if we had our regular kicker. Uh, totally. You know, this doesn't change the fact he's not there, but again, this just comes back to my point I made a few weeks ago about the Cardinals game and how, you know, why I think the NFL really needs to crack down on field conditions of other teams or at least have a better general set of standards of what turf conditions need to be before there's like a forfeiture or deciding that it's totally. not safe to play. Uh, because Bucker's only out. It's not our fault. The, the Cardinals field was so bad that on a routine kickoff, his, his plant leg slipped in that shoddy turf. So we lose him for at least two games afterwards, and we subsequently lose one of those games. You know, these these things do have butterfly effects and, and real ramifications to them, you know? So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would technically, if that didn't happen, we would be 3-0. and The Bills lost, the Raiders lost, the Chargers lost, the Broncos lost. You know what I mean? Like, like all those things are so important, even though it looks like we're so much better than the AFC West. It's not going to matter when we're all gassed at the end of the season. And maybe the chargers make a run. Herbert feels better. Or maybe Russ figures it out and they fire hack it and they bring in, you know, Eric B or something to run the Broncos, <laughs> which would be something, huh? Uh, we'll talk about it EB later, but like all these things matter, right? It doesn't matter right now. Like uh, clearly the chiefs are the best team in the AFC West, but going into the season, you know, if we have injuries, we have fatigues, man, we're going to, we're going to be looking back at this game race. Um, after after that, sorry, Reese. Let's let's dive into. Unless you have more to say, let's dive into what you saw on offense that needs to be fixed. Um, my goodness, can we start with the coordinator? Can I just open up the, that can of worms, Reese? The floor is yours. Well, so this is what's so difficult is not twenty four hours before this happens. Armando and I have a kumbaya outside of his place, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe Eric Bieniemy is not that bad of a guy. You know, I think personally, myself, and a lot of people were just looking for you know some sort of scapegoat after that Bengals meltdown. You know, so that's why that Eric Bieniemy story came out. And we're saying, well, what what does he really do around here? Uh, you know, and like I said, one revolution of the earth later, and there's a big argument between Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes at halftime, which results in the offense melting down in the second half. And, you know, at this point, it's like, I don't want to go back on my word and reopen this can of worms here, but at a certain point where there's smoke multiple times, there has to be some sort of fire going on. 
And at the very least, I think we can say that Patrick Mahomes does not get along well with Eric Bieniemy. And how many other teams across sports can you think of where there's a healthy dynamic and success between a player, a star player, who does not get along with a coach they have to interact with as often as Patrick does? Armando, your rebuttal on this. I have no rebuttal, Reese. I have been an EB apologist for the longest time, and I think it was during the Bengals Chiefs when I started to kind of ease away as an EB apologist because we did see that um, that marriage being shaky with Patrick Mahomes and EB, so much to the point that it looked like Mahomes was kind of playing on his own, started rolling out, the play would break up, and he would do his old improv. Um, actually, listening to Travis Kelly Kelsey's podcast with his brother uh, gave me more insight as to what the Chiefs did. Because I remember last year we were debating whether, like, how much control does Andy have of the playbook and how much control does EB have? And according to Travis, um, and this is with every team, right? But but more so, it kind of goes into the mind of Travis anyway. So Travis talked about the first 15. And for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, the first 15 plays are scripted. And Travis gives 100% of that success or that that 15 first 15 to Andy Reid only according to the podcast he mentioned that Andy is a genius he sees things that other people don't see he looks at tendencies of those defenses and is able to expose them and if you look at our first 15 they actually went really well until that muffed uh, the muffed punt return right there were a couple mistakes but man if that muffed punt return didn't happen and we had better field position after that who knows what could happen anyway I, I digress I am going to assume that after the first 15 plays are called then it's EB's territory because that's where we saw a lot of the arguments happen for example at the end of the second quarter when they were not being aggressive and they were being conservative you and I have always said that it's it's Andy Reid's MO to be conservative when we're ahead mm-hmm. but it's starting to look like EB is the one that is conservative and then Patrick Mahomes goes rogue breaks up a play starts rolling out I mean Reese I know there was a lot of pressure we'll talk about the pressure but I don't think I've seen Andy or sorry I don't think I've seen Patrick Mahomes roll out so much since like uh, 2019 Patrick Mahomes in this game it looked like Patrick Mahomes was like eh I'm just gonna break the play up okay I can probably stay in the pocket for another second but you know what I'm gonna break it up and let's do some improv ball which ends up working but you know what when you play improv ball then we have then we have the Chiefs Bengals then we have Chiefs Chargers we have Chiefs Bills uh, things go bad when that happens all the time and that's exactly what happened today so if There is a battle between Patrick Mahomes and EB. Nothing good will come from that. Either EB is going to be conservative and then Patrick's going to fight back and roll out. That's my assumption. Well, one more thing that's a bit of a knock against EB for one of the things that, you know, is fact is that he was the running back at University of Colorado during their golden era. It's like... Pretty close, since, to, uh, pretty close to the Mile High Stadium. Yeah, you're pretty close to Mile High. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since Eric Bieniemy's taken over as offensive coordinator, it's, I mean, I'm not pretending that he's had, you know, thoroughbreds to work with at running back, but, dude, our, our running back game's been abysmal. There's There's been no consistency. Nobody seems to develop. We haven't been able to find the right back. And, and, and if you'd think that a former running back would be some sort of running back whisperer in a sense. 
Because how many times have we seen that across the league? You know, where like former quarterback like gets the best out of, you know, maybe not the best situation quarterback. Uh, and, you know, that's another thing that costs us again in this game is our, we can't figure out a running game. I, I don't know why we don't feature a back. You know, it's like, I, I don't care at this point if they decided that it's Jarek McKinnon, but it's like, just give Jarek McKinnon all the carries. Just give Clyde all the carries. I really don't care. Unless you want to give Pacheco all the carries, in which case, go ahead and straight up do that. But, I mean, <laughs> at this point, too, it's like, at what point do we just kind of cut ties with the Clyde experiment and admit that it's not going to work and it's never going to work? Because the guy had seven carries for zero yards. Seven carries for zero yards. And you know what? I'm going to call him now. He's like Drive Killer Extraordinaire. That's his new nickname. Because, I mean, (laughs) you saw it. The the play making the rounds on Twitter right now, similar to Pacheco in the preseason, but Clyde's a three-year veteran, is that there was a big play in the third quarter where he just, he runs straight into the pile, bounces, and it's almost like his controller lags on Madden. He just kind of like stands there for a second and he's not fast enough to turn the outside, and he gets taken back for like a loss of eight or nine or something like that, and that killed the drive. Meanwhile, Patrick's pointing to the middle here saying, the hole's right there, man. Run, run, Can't run. see the holes. Even if it only gets two or three on that play, two or three on a loss of nine is a net of 12 when you think about it. You know, it's I, I'm just, I'm over Clyde. I know he's starting to get a few receptions here, but it's not like he's lighting it up. We still see how slow he is. We saw again in this game, how on first and goal from the one, he doesn't have the capacity to punch it in one yard. I'm serious, guys. Give it to Pacheco. Just give Pacheco 15 to 20 carries a game. Let's just see what he can do for craps and giggles. You have to be able to build a rhythm as a running back. Yeah, no, these, these are all these are really good points. And I will say that the Colts defense is good, but they are not elite. And if if this is our barometer of like an above average defense, we're going to see great defenses that are better than this every single week. So if we can't get it done against the Colts, again, I know the Colts are good. They have great linebackers. They actually have a pretty good secondary, um, but but their front four isn't immaculate, right? They're, 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 their front four is not the Chargers. Their front four is not like, you know, the Baltimore, well, even the Baltimore Ravens aren't doing very well defensively, but they're not super elite. So especially when there's holes, and we're not exposing them like that's a huge red flag. And I guess I've been a CH apologist. I will say that I do like the way that he is catching and that they're kind of featuring him now in the in the passing game, which is really cool. But if you're not getting anything, if you're not getting anything done on the ground, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because like Pat, we we are not the Buffalo Bills, right? We we can't throw the ball 50 times. We are able to throw the ball 50 times. But Josh Allen has his legs and uses them all the time. Right. And he's a better runner than Patrick. But I also don't want Patrick to run as much as Josh Allen does because Josh Allen's a liability now for injury. But we can't be the Bills and try to throw every play, roll at every play, because we don't have the luxury of a Josh Allen in the sense of using his legs and exposing him to that defense. So we need to implement a workhorse or a committee, but get them going and find the holes, man. I I agree with you, Reese. I have no rebuttal. You know, one other thing we have to talk about, too, in regards to the offensive coordinator, in regards to the passing game and Pat running for his life and the lack of a running game is the fact that compared to last year, I would say the offensive line is playing below expectations 
In particular, the elephant in the room, the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. has seemingly regressed even from his early season form last year. I mean, that guy's a gosh dang turnstile. It's, I mean, that, that's just yep. what it is. And there was talk when we acquired... And in a prove-it year. It's the prove-it year. It's the prove-it year. And, you know, I was honestly rude for the guy when he says, like, I'm going to come out and show that I am, you know, worthy of the top left of tackle reset. He wanted, remember, he wanted to reset the market. That's a joke. Uh, when he was at Baltimore, the big thing was they played him at right tackle because who they have a left tackle was a Ronnie Staley, whoever it was. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm a left tackle. And, and Baltimore in the entire league was like, mm, no, you're good, but you're a right tackle. You don't have left tackle attributes. So we picked him up and said, we'll give you a shot of left tackle. And, you know, honestly, last year I'd say he disappointed some flashes, but disappointed. But this year, I mean, he seems to play like decent enough against just like middle of the road, you know, jag level defensive ends. But against anyone who has a pulse, let alone superstars, the guy's an absolute turnstile. And it doesn't help that we're still having big question marks at the right tackle position with Andrew Wiley, bless his heart, being thrown yeah, in there. Yeah, he's trying. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a converted guard, but even he has had some success against star defensive ends. I mean, if you remember last year, he really stymied Max Crosby in the games that he played against him, which just straight up isn't the case in the left tackle. So what you're left with is probably, honestly, still one of the best interior lines in the game. But when things are collapsing on both sides, you know, doesn't matter. A line of three people is not going to beat a line of four people, let alone a blitz of five people. And that's just the basic way it is. Pat has no time to set his throws. His receivers have no time to get any separation. And our running backs don't see lanes develop when they should be. So whose fault does this fall on? Yeah, and, and furthermore, those are really great points, Reese. Furthermore, I'm, I might have to take back what I said last week. I, I said that the Chargers defensive line was as good as that Super Bowl Tampa Bay Bucks, And now I'm starting to think, Reese, that maybe our offensive line is just not very good this year. Now, I'm not saying that we're like poor, but we were elite. We were at least top five offensive line in the NFL last year. And I don't know where we sit anymore. These two games have just kind of put me over my head and saying, wait, who are we now? This was supposed to be the strength of our offense, right? We have all these new guys at wide receiver. We have this three-headed monster and running back. Of course, we have Patrick Mahomes. But this offensive line was supposed to be the stalwart of this offense. It was supposed to be the foundation. So now I'm getting kind of worried because not only are we seeing some miscues with CEH, we're seeing some miscues with some of these younger receivers, but now we're seeing miscues on the offensive line. If that breaks apart, then we're in big trouble. I mean, we're in huge trouble. That is supposed to hold us all together. And if, like you said, if the left tackle and the right tackles are big question marks, it doesn't matter how good the in-betweeners are, right? It doesn't matter how good the interior is. So let's play panic level, Reese. (laughs) What you've seen the so just the past two weeks, Chargers, Colts, seen that offensive line. What is your panic level? Zero to ten. Zero, you are calm like the Zen app, and ten, you are Mount Vesuvius is about to erupt. I'd say panic level. I'm probably at about an eight right now. That's a hot panic level. Well, it's just like, because I I don't see where do you fix it. Like, is I I don't think Andrew Wiley is suddenly going to make a giant jump and be a top 10 to 15 right tackle in the league. 
I don't see any reason right now to believe Orlando Brown is going to turn things around and approve it year and you know show that he's even one of the top 10 left tackles in the league. I mean, he's got the physical attributes. He's, he's just not showing it. He's got slow feet. He gets burned by anyone with a speed rush. And ultimately, yes, Patrick is not getting sacked, largely in part to Patrick being such an escape artist the way he is. But it's like, you can't keep escaping forever, dude. It's going to be one wrong twist in that pivot he does, and there goes his knee. It's going to be one blindside hit from some guy that Orlando Brown Jr. lets blow right by him, and Pat's going to be injured or going to have like some sort of sprained wrist. I, I really don't think it's sustainable. And three games in, man, Pat's been doing a lot of laundry after the game, if you catch my drift. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I'm going to panic at an eight. I think it's a combination of that. Pat doesn't agree with some of the play calls and that's kind of what, why he's taking a lot of time to throw the ball or he's rolling out too early. Uh, but I will put some of that blame on the offensive line. I'm going to say a five a kind of neutral where like I'm not happy and I'm, but I'm not sad yet. I do need to see more from that offensive line. The only devil's advocate I can put in my brain is that the chargers are that good and the Colts are better than we thought. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, and we're, we're going to see the bucks next. So like, Oh boy, like no, no matter what scenario, if the offensive line is bad or we just saw elite defenses, we're, we're about to get slammed again, which we'll talk about pretty soon. Reese, um, anything else that you want to talk about that was negative in the game before we go into the beer review and then we'll talk about some of the positives on the back end of that beer review, man. Uh, yeah, I will touch down one time on, like you mentioned, sky Moore muffing those punts early on in the game. You know, I, I think that really set the tone for the entire game because we had three and out of the Colts. And if we could have gotten a drive going and put a touchdown or even a field goal on the board, you know, it's an entirely different. But as it is, we, you know, we spotted them the game winning touchdown before we even had a chance to make our first snap. Uh, I was a little surprised on that. I was even more surprised when he came out trigger shy on the next punt. And it seemed like he wanted nothing to do with the ball. And yep, subsequently, that, you know, that, that punt got downed inside the one yard line. That was another three and out for us. So essentially, we gave up two of our first possessions. The, the Colts essentially got three possessions before we got one possession. You know, and that's a recipe for disaster to statistically looking at the game of football. Uh, someone I talked to made a really good point saying part of what may have played into that is the fact that. You know, as they mentioned, uh, Lucas Oil is a bit of a weird stadium. There's a lot of, like, random skylights in there, and it's also a oh, dome. Oh, yeah, that, that also messed up Kelsey. Uh, there was a drop pass that Kelsey would have never done if the sun was in his face. Well, uh, the case in point on this is that not only is it a dome, it's kind of a unique dome in that aspect. And coming from a small school like Western Michigan, you know, our boy Sky might not have a lot of experience fielding punts and looking for kicks, you know, in a domed environment, which anyone will tell you depth perception in those kind of conditions are completely thrown off. A lot of people say that in basketball, too. Uh, for example, uh, my alma mater, University of Northern Iowa, they used to play games between the Unidome, which is a 17,000 seat football stadium, and the McLeod Center, which is a more intimate, like 7,000 seat stadium. They just to kind of waffle games like in, in the early days where, you know, let's, let's say North Carolina came to town. They'd be like, we're doing this in the dome because like we can sell more tickets to that and would oversell the McLeod Center. But a lot of the players would say it was a pain in the butt because the depth perception of where the basket was in relation to the wall and even the ceiling was entirely different in the large dome environment than it was in the intimate 
arena environment. All this being a really long way of saying depth perception plays a big part of fielding punts and kicks. I still don't like Sky more fielding punts and kicks because I think he's too valuable of an offensive weapon both this year and going forward. And I would rather have McCole Hardman out back there who has plenty of experience fielding punts and kicks, even if I don't think he's the greatest at doing that job. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I I last year and the beginning of this year, I was like, McColl's going to be our gadget guy. He's the he's the next Debo point two point oh. Waiting for it. That that didn't work out. But at least hey, maybe you can be our punt returner because we need something there right now. You know what else we need right now? We need a beer, Reese. After all this negativity of the Chiefs, let's have a beer. Let's lift our spirits and then let's talk about some positivity going forward with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see ya pretty soon, Kansas City fans. We're about to grab a beer. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. That's right. It's This Week in Craft Beer. The segment of our show where we talk about what went on this week in craft beer, as well as review a delicious craft beer for everyone's listening pleasure. Now, there's two things that went on this week in craft beer. One I alluded to earlier on, and that's the fact that Armando introduced me to the Montucky Cold Snack. And I tell you what, that beer might be my all-time favorite domestic beer. Uh, It is. It's chasing Reese. Well, here's the thing: it's chasing PBR down for my favorite in terms of taste and in terms of branding. But the difference being, I think PBR is a little bit better of an overall flavor but as it warms up it has that telltale american light lager kind of like nastiness warm beer smell taste to it if that makes any sense to you yeah no totally whereas the cold snack was as reliable and true as the stallion that's on the front of that (laughs) of that miami vice blue pink can that's got going on and i thought it was a very consistent flavor from the first crack of the can to the final sip at the very bottom what do you think Oh yeah. I I will say that Montucky surpasses PBR for me. I feel like PBR gets old pretty fast. I don't mm-hmm. know if you just said that, sorry. Um but I think that the shelf life for Montucky like again, you want to sip but you also want to have a good time, but if you're having a tall boy Montucky and it's a little hot outside, say we're outside grilling and the sun's out, like it could get skunky pretty fast, but not Montucky. Montucky actually stays pretty fresh. Great taste all the time. I love it. And it's really the like craft beer nerdy lager because like craft beer people love to drink all the time, but we don't like to drink triple IPAs, quadruple IPAs, like just on a regular day. But then we also don't want to have Bud Light. So it's this like perfect balance of, you know what? I'm going to have a great day sip on a lager, but it's going to be a cool hipster lager. So Montucky, I agree with you, may also be my favorite domestic beer. It also only clocks in at 4% ABV, which is about, the, I think, a little less than a Bud Light, technically. So you can drink without having to worry about tomorrow, you know? Reese, what is the special word we like to use? I think Montucky is officially certified crushable. 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 Certified crushable. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you see it at your uh, liquor store, you can also get it at like the grocery stores now. I don't know where exactly. Like you said, it might, might be a little harder to get in Kansas City. But yes, Montucky cold snack from Bozeman, Montana. Very good beer. Very good beer. Now, the other thing going on this week in craft beer is the fact that as of this podcast, we are officially 
a week in to Oktoberfest 2022, which is the Bavarian celebration of the fall and the harvest and all those fantastic things. But do you know what else Oktoberfest means, Armando? It means Armando remembers when he went to an Oktoberfest in Kansas City and now he can't drink pumpkin beers anymore. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, Because he mixed pumpkin beers with the root beer float shots. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But what else does it remind you of, Reese? It reminds me of the fact that back by popular demand for the next few weeks (gasps) is the return of our segment. Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. You got it. It's the Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. It's going to be the segment where for the next few weeks we review the delicious, underrated Oktoberfest and Fest beer and Merzen and all the things under that umbrella. So, I'm pretty excited. Wait, Reese, actually, I just had a thought. Maybe that's why I got sick on Saturday because we had that Fest beer to start the day. Wait. No, that wouldn't get you sick. Fest beers aren't that high in ABV. But like maybe my like body remembers it. I also had a really bad night in Connecticut one time and I had like three Sam Adams Oktoberfest and it was not a good night. I mean, that's fair enough. Any Sam Adams is is probably not set. for. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, I can still review these beers. They don't they don't like I can still drink them. I just I don't know. I think I think my body remembers. Pepperidge Farm always remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers the stanky Jacko pumpkin ales and all those wonderful things. <laughs> well, in this case, going from the ridiculous to the sublime, here for our reviewing pleasure day, I have Off Color Brewing's Waddle, which features penguins on the front, their telltale mouse playing what looks like a sousaphone, and also, man, looks like a walrus playing an accordion on there. So that looks cool. Wait, what is off? What was that called? Off color brewing. It's a brewery out of Chicago. Uh, we reviewed no some way, of stuff I've never heard of before. it. You've never heard of off color? No. Oh man. Well, I mean, Alex Nikolenko and I reviewed uh dino s'mores on, I think it was the draft cast this last year. That was a rare miss. Uh, off color makes a lot of good beers. I've had a couple of their stouts before. Uh, goodness. One of their IPAs that I forget what it is, but no, it's, it's a very respected brewery out of Chicago. And just another in that long line of list of breweries that if we have a cold snack, take back the fact that we're like, what are the good breweries in Chicago? It's like, <laughs> yes, we, we definitely take that back. Yeah. It's, it's like Pipeworks, Revolution, Off Color, all in line one waiting for us. So Armando, while I crack this bad boy open, why don't you talk people through how we review beers on this podcast? You got it. So we rate beers from different categories. It's escaping me how many categories. I believe six different categories. But we talk about flavor, taste, appearance, aftertaste. If I'm forgetting one, Reese, chime in. Mouthfeel. Mouthfeel, of course, the most important one. And then we also have at the very end, we have Stonk's Drinkability Quotient, which is our ever-changing category. But basically, it's how cool is this beer? How awesome is it? Combine the can art with how how fun the beer is, uh, how great it tastes, what it means to you. A lot of fun. We rate those beers 0 to 10 for each category, and we even use decimals if we need to. So let's go back to the first category, Reese, and that is appearance i heard you crack that open pour that into a glass and let us know about the appearance all right 
Now, as I kind of mentioned, fast beers are kind of a big umbrella term that can describe a lot of different styles of the same beers that are drank at the fest. Uh, this one, going off the appearance, I'm going to guess it's a Meritzen style because you can see it's a lot darker. It's got more of that color, uh, that kind of caramel amber tone to it. Uh, fairly opaque. I really can't see what's going on behind it. And despite being semi-translucent, I really don't see any light coming from behind it, which means this beer is either delicious or it's a certified black hole eating all of the light. Uh, that being said, <laughs> I, don't color. I don't know if it's the fluorescent light above me, but I don't know. It's it's a bit more of a, a kind of a peachy, I don't know, apricot-y color than most Meritsons I see. The head didn't last very long. It's uh, kind of completely gone into a lace around the rim of the glass with a little bit of random foam in the center. Uh, all things considered, I don't think it's going to win too many beauty pageants. I'm going to give appearance on this a 7, a flat 7. All right, flat 7 on appearance. Reese, give it a nice sniff. Let us know what it smells like. Mm. Definitely a lot of toffee notes in there. Coming from the malt. Yeah, a lot of some coffee notes in there as well. Definitely some buttery caramel. Mmm. All notes that you really want to get in a Meritson. Uh, I had someone describe once. It's kind of like a, a less buttery popcorn ball kind of scent that you want on your beer. And kind of an aftertaste yeah. to it, too. I'm going to say this is a really enticing smelling beer that makes up the middle ground for the lack of appearance. So I'm going to say aroma on this Meritson is actually... This is pretty elite for a Meritson. It's a, a 9.2. Ooh! And Reese rarely gives nines, albeit 9.2. So excellent. That means that is a good sniff. Now, let's do our favorite category, Reese Flavor. Give that baby a taste. See if it does it taste like what it smells like. Do you get that toffee, that coffee, butterscotch, any of that? Ooh-wee. Man. That's a lot more slightly green and vegetative than I would have thought it would be, given mm. the nose. Um, yeah, kind of a lot of earthy, kind of uh, hay notes to that, or straw, whatever you want to say. Let me, let me take on uh, round two sip on that bad boy. It's fresh, and I initially get some of the toffee notes, but when it uh, spreads out and kind of breathes for a second, yeah, it's definitely a lot more bitter and uh earthy than you would think given the sweet notes on it it's not bad it's different i appreciate that it has a distinct taste on it uh i just don't like how green and kind of cloying it is in the on the end of it is it uh, green as in like it's dank or uh no it's just kind of like a it's kind of a very bitter vegetative sort of flavor to it you can get it in some stouts and i don't know maybe it just means my tongue's broken or something but uh no i think this this had the potential to be elite i think it's a hundred dollar move with like a seventy dollar finish if that oh. makes sense so if we're averaging that out it would be a seven out of ten i think it's too good to say it's seven out of ten i want to see what happens when this thing warms up i'm gonna give it a uh an 8.2 out of ten all right, 8.2. That's still very good. High remarks. Excellent. It is trying to be hipster and trendy, and it's working. 
All right, Reese, how about mouthfeel? When you have another sip of that, you let that sit in your mouth. Is it heavy because of that that style, the coffee, the toffee, all of those flavors, or is it a little crispy or both? You know, it's definitely very crispy for not having a lot of head on it and for not seemingly being that carbonated. It's definitely a very effervescent and sparkling Oktoberfest. Some of these can tend to be a little more heavy in the mouth, uh, you know, slightly, I don't say buttery, but uh, this one is definitely like a Topo Chico with much finer bubbles to it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to take one more sip Maybe like ranch water, perhaps? Oh my gosh, ranch water. Oh, speaking of which, I might have had a fantastic mezcal ranch water at, uh, what was it, Dos Santos Tacos? There it is, Dos Santos Tacos in Colorado Springs. My mm-hmm. first time that I had ranch water, by the way. I love mezcal. I never had put it in Topo Chico, and boy, was it tasty. Tasty. Uh, you know, this is actually pretty easy to drink, minus a bit of the bitterness really kind of hitting the sides of the tongue again. Uh, I'm going to say Oktoberfest. I'll give it a 7.9 on mouthfeel. Ooh, 7.9. Still, still very good. All right. How about aftertaste, Reese? Once you take a sip, do you start to feel anything on the back end? Any different flavors that you felt? That veg- vegetalness and also the maltiness, is it different on the back end? I would say a slight surprise is that I kind of waited for the sweet notes of the malt to come through, and they just never really came through. Uh, what really it doubled down on was probably that straw quality, which I don't mind. I love the smell and taste of straw. Maybe it was all the Halloween parties at rural barns I went to growing up in elementary school <laughs> in the state of Iowa, but there was something just very nostalgic about that for me, so I'm not going to knock anything that has a straw aftertaste to it. Uh, let's see. One final sip. Yeah, maybe a little bit more sweetness on it. Now it's starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, but it's it's a very active beer flavor-wise, which normally is kind of one of the good things about Fest beers is that they're very simplistic. You know, you don't have to think much to drink. And I almost feel like there's there's too much going on in this beer, which is kind of, you know, you don't have to redo the all-new 2022 Honda Accord when there's not really much you need to improve on in the 2022 Honda Accord. <laughs> so for that reason, aftertaste, I'm going to give it a 7.9. All right, 7.9 aftertaste. And then we have the final category, Reese. That's Stonks Drinkability Quotient. How awesome is this beer? Is it Stonks up, Stonks down, Stonks in between? What do you got? Man, I feel like I'm I'm being too hard on off color here because they make such good beers. But I think I can say I was hoping for a little bit more out of this Oktoberfest. I know that there are some in particular I won't name that people are like this is the best Oktoberfest ever, and I'm like, eh. Oh wow. I don't agree. Uh, I was hoping that this would be up there in the echelon of Oktoberfest for me, which I don't quite think it does. I think it's Doctor Strange too. It's a uh, it's an entertaining film. Uh, but it's a bit of a mess, you know? It could have a little more focus on it. I don't think I've seen Doctor Strange 2. Oh, dog, you're not missing much. They don't know what they're doing with those films right now. The whole MCU is just like... I I legitimately say I have quite a number of like comic book friends who are huge into the MCU who are like, yeah, I'm finding it hard to like tune in now. It's like it's too much content and it's like wow. just spinning its tires and not doing anything, which I... 
totally agree with. Uh, but this beer, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little too active for something that's supposed to be simplistic and easy to drink. So for that reason, Stonk's drinkability quotient, it's kind of grading on a curve, and I'm going to give it a 7.1. 7.1. That's fair. You know, 7.1's fair. You know, not not awful, but not amazing, and that's totally cool. That's why we review so many different beers, beers because we want our fans to have an informative choice when they go to their liquor store. We've done, what, 130 different beers? Something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't even know there were that many beers in the world. Just kidding. We we knew that. Um, I, I bet Boulevard's done 130 beers. Oh, <laughs> Styles easy. in its, its own lifetime. Uh, easy, 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 easy. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was our beer review state. Keep listening to our podcast because it is the hunt for Red Oktoberfest. So stay tuned for next week as we will do another Oktoberfest beer. Who knows? It might be your favorite or my favorite, which is not the Sam Adams Oktoberfest beer. <laughs>great beer review by reese remember this is the special beer reviews uh for the month of october it is the hunt for red Oktoberfest, and of course we're gonna splice in reese's favorite hunt for red Oktoberfest. so i'm sure you've already heard it and i love that because now it's like a seasonal thing for me reese it's like it's like watching um it's like watching home alone during uh during christmas <laughs> You sound like Wilfred Brimley when you say it. If I can't remember who you sounded like last year when you tried. You're, you're going to get it. I know you're going to get it. <laughs> I'm not on Red October face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll keep trying. Anyways, we'll keep trying. I'm, I'm hunting for something positive to say about this Kansas City Chiefs team after this Colts win or this Chiefs loss. Uh, one thing that I was impressed by, Reese, was our defense. I actually liked our front four. I know that the Colts have injuries and that their their offensive line is decimated as well. But, I mean, Chris Jones did look good. Chris Jones deserved to yap to, to Matt Ryan and say whatever expletives, even if he said expletives. He deserved it because that dude had a game. I was also really impressed by George Karloftis. Like, I think what people don't realize with George is that George isn't going to put up like huge numbers right now. But if you watch the film, like he consistently is beating his guy and he just doesn't get there in time. Again, Matt Ryan didn't hold the ball very long. Like when, when we did sack him, it was because we rushed a lot. Hats off to Spags for his disguise blitzes. I mean, there were some packages in there that even I was like, where the hell did Sneed come from so this was a it was a really fun spags game because a lot of times spags doesn't bring the heat and this game he was just like we are gonna absolutely obliterate matt ryan so it's always fun to see spags like rush five or even like bring the house you know cover zero and just you know destroy him so hats off to spags um also you know jalen watson didn't do to that bad either you know another great game i think those plays that were large plays by alec pierce and i forget who their tight end was those were all like very difficult plays for our cornerbacks like alec pierce had an incredible throw sometimes you just got to put your hands up it's kind of like mike williams i can't i can't 
I, I can't get mad at Jalen Watson for not being big enough. Like he's still on him. Like I'm really impressed by our corners and they're playing physical and just some of those plays we're just not going to get. And that's fine. So hats off to the D and then special, special shout out. And then I'll let you go Reese uh, special shout out to Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton was all over the field. We saw that fourth and inches where Jonathan Taylor supposedly, according to Alex Nikolenko is the best running back in the NFL, the best fantasy player in the NFL. And Nick Bolton stops that pivotal fourth and inches play when, uh, Jonathan Taylor like leaps over and Nick Bolton goes not tonight. So impressive by the defense. That was very encouraging and something that should carry to that Bucks game. What do you think, Reese? I think this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes had during his time with the Chiefs, which isn't saying hot take much. Reese today, man. I should just give my title away. You've had some really good hot takes today. Keep going. Thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, this isn't sniffing anything to those defenses that Tom Brady had. Back in New England when he was winning all those Super Bowls. I mean, he always had a top three to five defense when he won those Super Bowls. But, you know, this is what we've always asked for, which, you know, this is probably a good enough defense that is like, if the offense is playing well, you know, and we have this good of a defense, like nobody should be able to beat us. You're probably not wrong. Uh, I think the only real fault with this defense at this point is the fact that we're having trouble generating pressure by only sending four. And to me, that's the sign of of uh, i don't want to say an elite defense but that's a sign of you know no, it's a true good defense luckily spags is good at dialing up blitzes and really weird packages like armando mentioned so that was successful to the tune of two fumbles on matt ryan uh, i think the secondary is probably looking better than we would have hoped it would have considering how young they are back there and uh, no trent mcduffie i mean jason watson is fending for himself as as, yeah. our, as our second boy I think it's going to get better when Trent McDuffie's back and Rashad Fenton's gone. Uh, you know, Fenton likes to play patty cake with every receiver he goes up against. I mean, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes even called him out at camp earlier this year on it. But, I mean, I, and our linebacking core, I'm, I'm going to say this. Our linebacking core uh, is very good bordering on elite when they're there. And I'm, I'm talking primarily about when Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are there with Leo Chanel and Darius Harris to rotate in. Totally. Or play specific roles and don't get me wrong i'm not saying elite like oh we got brian urlacher and freaking uh you know suggs as an outside linebacker there and don't forget about everyone cam favorite. chancellor ha, 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 ha. It's, yeah exactly no I'm, I'm not talking like that level ray lewis isn't him out there yet but i mean nick bolden's got a knack for the ball he's incredibly smart he stopped jonathan taylor a million times i think that's also what made this loss so difficult for us was that had we lost to the Colts, I would have said, yeah, they've got a solid defense and they probably had a lot of extended drives with Jonathan Taylor averaging like 4.6 yards per carry and we weren't able to stop him on third down because it was running all day. Jonathan Taylor had, what was it, like 74 yards and Matt Ryan had under 200 yards passing until the final drive. It's just like... yep. What what did we do wrong? Like, why did we just play so uncharacteristically Refs. bad? And it's... It's the case, too, where had we won, I wouldn't have been happy. I'd be like, man, that game sucked. I'm like almost as mad as a loss, you know, that we won just because we played so bad and we looked so bad. But I'm not as mad as we are as a loss, and we did lose. Therefore, I am very mad. Very, very mad. 
<laughs> All right, Reese is fuming. I'm fuming. Let's see if we have any uh, muster. Let's uh, let's muster up some pride and talk about this Chiefs Buccaneers game, which is actually going to be pretty weird. First off, of course, there is a hurricane watch uh, in Tampa Bay, so we don't know where this game is going to be played. Uh, we are hearing rumors that the game might be played in Minneapolis uh, if they cannot play in Tampa Bay. But not only that, but also Tom Brady looks doesn't look very good, Reese. Like the Bucks, the Bucks look okay, but they don't look like the Bucks of old, right? That we played in the Super Bowl, and then we also don't look great. So this is a very strange game. Um, it, it, I think it can go either way, Reese. What do you think this game is going to look like? Well, first let's talk about the Bucks. Like, like what version of Tom Brady are, are we going to see? You know, I think it depends on what weapons really show up out there. I know they're getting Mike Evans back from suspension. You know, will Goodwin be back? I don't know. I have not checked the injury report yet. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette is kind of back to being Leonard Fournette, which is very hot and very cold. And so far, he's been cold far more than he's been hot. Rob Gronkowski's not there to bail Tom Brady out in every route. Man, it's tough to say. This this Tampa Bay offense is bottom 10 to bottom 5 in a lot of metrics, including points per game and yards per game. And they have not looked scary playing some pretty tepid defenses in their last few games. I mean, it's Tom Brady. The guy is throwing ducks. He's old. Uh, but, you know, he's always a weird guy. And I don't look forward to playing Tom Brady, but... I think if we can hold them unto uh, if we can hold them under 22 points I think I like our chances of winning this one. Yeah, I think that the momentum that our defense has from this last game, albeit it was the Colts, but still we get momentum from that game. Also doing a decent job on Herbert. Yeah, we didn't stop Mike Williams, but we did a decent job on Herbert. So I think the momentum the defense has from these past three games is going to play into this game and it could be a pivotal defining game for our defense, right? If we can get to Tom, if we can stop Mike Evans, which is going to be really hard. I mean, I compare Mike Evans' body to Mike Williams' body, a tall and athletic guy that we probably can't stop in the red zone. So I foresee Mike Williams probably going off. But again, if it's just him that goes off, we can win this game in style. We can win this game. Like you said, Chris Godwin is battling injury. Julio Jones is also battling injury who I know like we say Julio's washed up but he had a good he got a very good week one actually so my prediction is that our defense has an emphatic stop and they're the reason why we win this game because I think that 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 Bucks front four is just going to say good morning good afternoon and good night to Patrick Mahomes if our offensive line still looks awful but again I'm going to say emphatic win because of the defense I'm going to say 20 27 not too high rewind i keep forgetting 27 is so high because it's the chiefs and i'm just so used to like decimating people how about 20 to 14 kansas city chiefs you think we can beat tom brady only scoring 20 points yes because again statement win because of our defense I hate how real that score seems, and it'll probably be like last week against the Packers, too, where it's like Tom Brady plays just like atrociously all game. He had like a defense or special teams touchdown. 
uh, and the other touchdown is a rushing touchdown. But like he gets like one last drive in the game, and it's like the only decent drive he puts together all game. And it comes down Sounds to like, like Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it comes down to like fourth and fourth and goal from like the twelve yard line or something like that. He gets one last play, and it's incomplete. And then he goes over and yells at the ref or like throws a tablet or kisses his kid or something like that. Uh, you know. <laughs> If I'm looking at the stats here, I don't... Okay, so again, obviously I see how we can lose this game. It's pretty easy, but you know, I, th- I think the most, pardon my French, damning stat against the Buccaneers offense so far, they're below the Chiefs in rushing yards and rush yards per game. That's hmm. that's pretty terrible because we are pretty turgid We're at pretty bad. Football, right? <laughs> uh, but when you think about it too, the Pittsburgh Steelers are below the Chiefs in rushing yards per game right now, and they got Najee Harris, so what does that say? Their um, offensive line sucks. They like they actually suck. <laughs> I, th- I think the trick in this one is going to be obviously Brady plays about as poor as we've ever seen being under pressure. He's not good when there's pressure on him. But we also have to take away his intermediate game. Uh, the way he gashed us in the Super Bowl a few years ago primarily was with the bubble screens, short slant routes, passes to the flat, things like that. He'll kill you with a thousand paper cuts. We also need to watch his play action. We have a very young secondary, so they might bite on some of those, giving just enough time for some talented receivers and fast receivers like the ever-talented Scotty Miller to get behind us. So, you know, I would like to say, I think in a perfect world, if we win 23-14, I'll feel really good because the Chiefs beat the Bucs good defense and the Buccaneers look terrible, so there's less of a chance of them winning another Super Bowl. Uh, But I think, uh, what would be more real stake? I think I like 23-17, ending with Ooh. that last long Tom Brady drive to the red zone until we get a pass breakup. Love it. I love it because we both predict a Chiefs win, and Scotty still does not know that he is not the fastest person in the NFL. Although I can't wait for these for these Pro Bowl um, skill Taco Bell skills challenge where they do like the Nikola Jokic versus Chris Paul skills challenge but it's going to be like Tyreek Hill and Micah Parsons again running a 40-yard dash but I digress all right stay tuned ladies and gentlemen for some more content from Found City Sports Media again give us a like on Instagram on all the social media content and again it's only two dollars to donate on Patreon Uh, if you like we do here we grind it out every week we give you some amazing content and we will continue to so we will see you hopefully after a Chiefs win I will not guarantee it I will not laugh at the Bucks I will be kind and polite uh, but I will still not be kind and polite to the Red Russian and will not apologize so we'll see you next time Go Chiefs! Go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media This podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Fountain City Sports Media.